1: Tony,
0: I feel like you're our our antitrust guy these days.
1: (laughs) It's like deja vu, isn't it?
0: I called up Tony Rom from the Washington Post again because for the second time in three months, the government is going after big tech, and that's his beat. The last time we called you was Google. So here we are again.
1: Yeah, here we are weeks later, and we have another tech company getting the crapsuit out of it by the U.S. government.
0: (laughs) Not the technical term, but I'll allow it.
1: We all attended the news conference uh, on Zoom in sweatpants yesterday when Attorney General Letitia James in New York announced that she was going to bring this massive case against Facebook. No company should have this much unchecked power over our personal information and our social interactions. And that's why we are taking action today and standing up for the millions of consumers and many small businesses that have been harmed by Facebook's illegal behavior.
0: The lawsuit from New York and Letitia James wasn't the only shot taken at Facebook on Wednesday. 46 other states, D.C. and Guam, joined the suit. And the Federal Trade Commission filed its own lawsuit. The lawsuits describe a company that became
1: a monopoly through a ruthless strategy known as copy, acquire and kill. I mean, the state complaint in particular, you know, I think it's over, what, 120 pages or so, kind of tells this very, very detailed story about more than a decade of work on the part of Facebook to really buy or kill some of its competitors. And so I think the the, the, the overall thrust of those complaints, the, the fact that there was so much information packed in them, combined with the very ambitious relief that the federal government sought, really did kind of surprise some people. In other words, there was all that wondering over the years about
0: whether the government was really going to go after Facebook. But now it's on. And when you add in the suit against Google— It's clear that Washington is done holding back.
1: It really feels like that as somebody who has covered this beat for like, what, 11 years now at this point, there are actual lawsuits, there are actual efforts to kind of rein these companies in.
0: Today on the show, after years of buildup, the government has finally sued Facebook and wants to break it up. Is this the existential threat that Mark Zuckerberg feared? I'm Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TVD, a show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick with us.
2: This episode is brought to you by Discover. Dot com, and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
0: I was going back and looking at your tweets from earlier in the week, and you know it was clear to you, it was clear to those of us who watched this that these investigations were coming. Like this, it's been years. And I wonder how these lawsuits compare with your expectations. Are they more aggressive? Are they less aggressive? Is this
1: what you thought the government was going to say? I think a lot of people expected the government to bring a case, right? When the attorneys general announced their probe over a year ago and the Federal Trade Commission kind of sent the signals that it was looking at this over a year ago, it was pretty clear that they had identified a significant harm, that they felt Facebook was too big. And so it became a question of, okay, is that bigness illegal? And can we use the law to go after that bigness? I don't want to say it was a foregone conclusion, but I think the general understanding, even among folks at Facebook, was that this was not going to go quietly. We were going to get a case at the end of this. Mm. I think where people may have been surprised was seeing the federal government so explicitly say, we want Facebook to sell off WhatsApp and Instagram.
0: The arguments from both the FTC and state AGs are supported by a lot of detailed evidence. The complaint from the FTC is 53 pages long. The one from the AGs, 123 pages.
1: There are conversations predating the Instagram deal in 2012 in which Mark Zuckerberg says like, hey, this camera stuff is big. (laughs) We don't really have a solution for it. Our camera app is not particularly popular, but Instagram is kind of on to something. And in the WhatsApp context, you know, we heard years later, Zuckerberg kind of recognizing that messaging was this next frontier in the social networking space, and messaging was not something that Facebook was good at. And so in both of those deals, according to regulators, Facebook essentially engaged in this very coordinated, deliberate strategy to gobble up these companies so that they couldn't take away some of Facebook's popularity. And in the process, that's ultimately what created this digital empire now that they see is so troubling and anti-competitive.
0: So let's go back to those purchases that that started this all. Um, we're talking about the early 2010s, and that's really where our story starts because the iPhone 4 just came out, and it was the first iPhone that had this front-facing camera. That's a big deal because Facebook mm-hmm. was starting to realize that the future of its business would be on phones, wouldn't be on desktops. And I guess I wonder, how much was that physical shift in
1: mobile technology a big deal for facebook right i mean there is there is generally a kind of a reckoning in facebook in those early years i mean it's it's kind of silly to think this now in 2020 but facebook was not well positioned for mobile generally You know, most people discovered Facebook when it was just a desktop website that was for college students who wanted to creep on their fellow classmates, right? (laughs) And then, you know, Facebook many years later became what it is today, which is this like all-encompassing digital empire that also does things like virtual reality. But there was a period of time in which Facebook was really not positioned well for the arrival of the mobile age. And so it saw in Instagram and in WhatsApp two markets that it had not really figured out. Instagram now
0: is, you know, I think a very integrated part of a lot of people's lives and how they share tidbits from their lives. But in 2012, it was it was not that. Um, can you take me back to what it was like then, and and where it was in its growth as mm-hmm. an app and
1: as a company? Uh, I mean, yeah, it was like, it was like bad Polaroids, right? Like, I don't know if anybody remembers, but like the images on Instagram, they had like the weird border around them. It really did look like a, like a really faded Polaroid and everybody thought that they were an artist and it's way different (laughs) than it is now where it's this like multi-billion dollar influencer haven. When Facebook bought Instagram, I think it had like what, 16 employees and like $0 of income. Like we like we were talking about a company that was not a foregone conclusion. There was nothing about Instagram on the surface, at least, that appeared to the general public like it was going to become the major hit that it has become now in 2020. But to Mark Zuckerberg and to the rest of Facebook, there was definitely something there. They had identified a market. They had identified a need. And I think that Zuckerberg and others through his correspondence kind of Uh, reflect this fact that if they had not grabbed that app, that Facebook would have had a hard time competing in that space. There
0: is this communication between Mark Zuckerberg and the top person at Instagram, and he's saying at some point soon, you'll need to figure out how you actually want to work with us. And I'm going to skip ahead to a part where he says, "Now, how we engage now will determine how much we're partners versus competitors down the line. And I found that really interesting. I thought, like,
1: is it right to read that as a threat? I think regulators certainly read it as a threat, probably because there are tons of other emails in which Mark Zuckerberg like threatens to conquer or destroy all of these companies uh, in the trove of documents that they put out. I think the regulators see that as an example of Facebook's ultimatum, right? It's like either you work with us on our terms or we crush you. And in this case, it was we're going to buy you or we're going to come after you. And and it's not just uh, in on, on the acquisition front. I mean, remember... Services like Instagram were able to become popular because of Facebook, because people could find friends who were using the app on Facebook and then discover, oh, there's this cool thing called Instagram. Maybe I should sign up for it. And so in so many cases, and this is the other issue that's brought up in the complaint, it's not just that Facebook was acquiring all of these companies that it saw as competitors, it was also using its data, using its very social service as a weapon, essentially saying, okay, if you're going to pose a risk to us, we're going to cut off your access to the platform. We're going to say, you know what, we're done with this. And then your primary way of growing, of hmm. getting the word out that you exist, is no longer going to be a way that you were able to get the word out that you exist.
0: So Instagram had a choice. Take a deal or get used to living in Facebook's crosshairs. They took the deal. Which, at the time, had a lot of people scratching their heads.
2: Two hours ago, Facebook announced it is buying, this is unbelievable, the photo-sharing company Instagram. Oh my God, that is unbelievable. What, What is Instagram? But
0: Instagram's relative obscurity was only one big question. The other was its price tag, which seemed absurdly high. Why is this
2: news? Facebook buying the free smartphone, mobile sharing app for a billion dollars. A billion dollars of money? (laughs) For a thing that kind of ruins your pictures?
0: This was Facebook's blockbuster acquisition, until two years later when the company bought WhatsApp, this time for $19 billion. Facebook bought WhatsApp in 2014, what was so important to them or exciting to them that they were willing to pay nineteen
1: billion dollars with a B to go after it? Yeah, I mean WhatsApp was beating Facebook's butt at that point. <laughs> there was there was a moment in time, even before Facebook had purchased it, that WhatsApp had more people sending messages using its service than Facebook did on its own messenger service. And if you look back at the complaints, you'll see a number of instances in which Zuckerberg talks about this mobile messaging space, just sort of seeing it as the next frontier for social interaction, uh, which which really speaks to something that will come into play later, which is this belief, I guess, in Facebook's eyes that it competes against everything and everyone for time. Minutes that you spend on another app or service, perhaps regardless of what that app or service is, or minutes that you aren't spending on Facebook. And so we ultimately got the deal that we got in the WhatsApp purchase, uh, which in the eyes of regulators is all kinds of problematic, not the least because WhatsApp was much more privacy protective than what it ultimately became in Facebook's hands.
0: In both of these cases, Instagram and WhatsApp, the FTC did not intervene to hold up the deals. And now critics of the antitrust action, Facebook chief among them, say, wait a minute, how can you, the government, turn around several years later
1: and change your mind? You know, I actually went back and I pulled these documents uh, from when the Federal Trade Commission actually looked at the Instagram and WhatsApp deals in 2012 and 2014. They're these like really hard to find PDFs. They're called closing letters. They kind of just in very, very short summary give the reason For why the government took the action that it took and with the instagram deal in particular it's very simple it's just you know we got notice of the deal we decided we're not going to take action on the deal and at the very end of the document it says the government reserves the right to act in the public interest later essentially Hmm. uh and that's exactly what the ftc is saying it's doing here it's saying that in the years since that acquisition and others that facebook has made That acquisition has ultimately allowed Facebook to become this, like, anti-competitive juggernaut that is hurting consumers because they have no other alternatives.
0: But Facebook's pushing back on this.
1: Oh, of course. Facebook is pushing back on the whole thing, right? So Facebook says it's ridiculous that they should have to, um, you know, subject themselves to this kind of inquiry. The government gave it its approval. Uh, And it shouldn't have to – and the U.S. government should not be able to go back and say, hey, wait a minute. Actually, we should never have allowed this to go through. Just kidding. You know, Facebook said something along the lines of it was revisionist history on the part of the commission. They said that no business could be safe in its mergers knowing that sometime down the road the government could change its mind.
0: Antitrust. In general is about two things, competition and consumer harm. And generally, you know, we talk about the questions of bigness, which you have raised. But the other part of this is to prove harm to consumers, usually in an antitrust action. That means saying, well, prices have gone up and therefore it is hard for people. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you prove consumer harm when you are talking about a product that is offered for
1: free? Right. This is about privacy, which sounds a little bit unrelated, but yeah. in this case, it's really kind of the whole ball ballgame, uh, particularly in the state complaint that was filed on Wednesday. In this case, what the government is saying is that Facebook removed from the marketplace two very good, potent, privacy-protective social networking options, leaving users little other place to go. It essentially degraded the user experience, right? And that degraded user experience— and the lack of privacy protections, particularly as Facebook took WhatsApp and Instagram and made them less privacy protective once it was part of its empire, is essentially the cost to users. Uh, and then Facebook on the back end is able to profit off of that because the more time people spend on Facebook, because Facebook owns more of the web, the more data it accrues, and then the more money it's able to make as a result of advertisers who also have nowhere to go if they're looking to reach you know, the widest array of people on a site. That feels like such
0: a very 2020 interpretation of the legal underpinnings of this, which date back to the turn of the 20th century.
1: Right. And and this is why we talk so much on Capitol Hill these days about this issue, which is the consumer welfare standard, is what they will call it in antitrust law, and whether that's just outdated, whether it doesn't really take into account some of these issues that are raised by sites like Facebook and services like Google that don't offer paid services – And so their harms can't so easily be measured in dollars and cents.
0: Yeah, the the weapon that the government has here, their remedy, is breakup, something that that Mark Zuckerberg has called an existential threat to his business. And the last time the government was able to successfully break up a business like this was 1982. We're talking about the AT&T Bell case. It feels like the government has a pretty high bar to meet here.
1: Yeah, and then AT and T like its way back to like AT and T. It ended up buying a lot of stuff back, and then it bought like Time Warner, and it did all these things, and now AT and T is like once again a big company. And it, it was clear yesterday from Facebook's statements that they're going to throw everything they have at it. I mean, they took issue with every part of that lawsuit, from how the government defined like what qualifies as a social network and the market for social network, right on down to its decision uh, to go after the company for having made these purchases in the first place.
0: As always, when we talk about something like this, I want to know what this means for users. Will I notice? Will you notice? Will my Instagram and WhatsApp experience be different if,
1: say, those companies are spun off? I mean, for right now, nothing. Like, nothing is going to change for either of us. I'm still going to be unpopular on Instagram. My photos are still going to be bad. But and, and the experience is not going to change immediately. Uh, and that's largely because... We're talking about years of litigation here before we even get to find out if Facebook truly broke the law, much less what the what the punishments, what the penalties should be. If there's an immediate impact, it's probably a more theoretical one. Facebook is perhaps less likely to make major acquisitions right now. The Facebook empire may not immediately grow in the way that some analysts or some experts might have expected it to. You know, if you're Facebook and you were thinking about buying Pinterest, and let's be clear, I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case. You are probably not going to go out and buy Pinterest right now because the government is never going to allow that to happen. And in fact, the states have asked a judge to make sure that that kind of thing does not happen.
0: We are also in this period um, where we're about to have a new presidential administration. Is the incoming Biden administration supportive
1: of this action? So the Biden folks haven't said anything publicly about it. I reached out to them yesterday. They didn't answer. But we know a couple things. The first is that this case will proceed once Biden takes office, especially because the vote at the Federal Trade Commission was a 3-2 vote with the Republican chairman joining the commission's two Democrats, one of whom is likely to take over the Federal Trade Commission on at least a temporary basis going forward. The state attorneys general, meanwhile, they're going to do what they're going to do, regardless of who's in the White House. What we do know is that uh, President-elect Joe Biden is no fan of Facebook. This really started during the campaign when President Trump was, you know, sharing a bunch of lies, paying to run advertisements that were peddling lies about the candidate, and about others in the Democratic field. And Facebook said at the time, you know what? Like, we're not the arbiter of truth. He gets to say what he wants. The end. All of these things add up to an administration that that is frustrated with Facebook and is likely to do something about it because they have the power to do something about it.
0: When you take this case and add the one against Google, plus the ongoing investigations into Apple and Amazon, it feels like a sea change is underway. You wrote this sentence that, Together, the cases threaten a dramatic reshaping of Silicon Valley, much in the way that the government's multi-year battle with Microsoft helped foster the very web companies that we now see as too powerful. And I wonder when you think about these cases finally being here after a lot of warm-up, um, is this the moment? Like, is this the inflection point that we have been thinking about waiting for and preparing for.
1: It really feels like that. You have the Facebook lawsuit from the states and the Fed, you have the Google lawsuit, you have active investigations into Apple and Amazon it's still happening at the federal government by the way. That those things are not done. There's another case expected against Google soon. You have a Congress that's now talking about issues like privacy and section 230 content moderation, the power of tech and democracy, and all of these things that for so long just kind of occupied headlines, maybe, and lots of academic conferences, but not so much the political foreground in the U.S. And there's action on them. It's not just talk. So it feels like we've, like, crossed this threshold of sorts uh, where, where it's no longer theoretical. And the potential consequences for these companies are no longer theoretical,
0: Tony Rom, thank you very much.
1: Thanks for having me. Tony Rahm
0: reports on tech policy for the Washington Post. That's our show for today. TBD is produced by Ethan Brooks and edited by Allison Benedict and Tori Bosch. Our executive producer is Alicia Montgomery. TBD is part of the larger What Next family. And it's also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. Mary Harris will be back in your ears on Monday. I'm Lizzie O'Leary. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.